0: So today I'm going to be talking about righteous appetite. And if you've been away for a few weeks, we're right in the Beatitude in Matthew chapter 5. We're walking through the eight Beatitudes, which is the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, which is one of my favorite teachings of Jesus through the Bible. I love Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. I eat them up and read them often. In fact, I think that if I just read chapters 5, 6, and 7 out loud to you, that I wouldn't even have to preach. Such an intimate... Entrance into Jesus' heart, who Jesus was, and really what he thought about the Christian life. If I could just give you a a brief way that I view it, maybe it'll help you uh, look at righteous appetite a little bit different this morning. Let me read the very first verse in chapter five. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, And he began to teach them. I love Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7 because of this. I try to imagine Jesus, my friend, intimately sitting down with me and speaking truths over my life, kingdom truths over my life, that not only help me enter into the kingdom, but live the kingdom out. There's so many people that love the teachings of Jesus. It doesn't take long. You can go on the Internet. You can search. You can even talk to people that think Jesus was such a great man and there's so many truths to that. But if you can imagine just for a moment with me that the scriptures that I am to be talking about today, you are sitting down on a hillside with your friend and he's sharing intimately with you ways for you to not only enter the kingdom, but to continue walking in the kingdom. Let me keep reading. Blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. I pause for a second because (coughs) a side of me is really moved today by blessed are they that mourn. And I, I had a hard time during worship When Tony was sharing, wasn't worship great today, by the way? When Tony shared, amen. When Tony sung that line, open up my heart to those around me. And I actually had to leave the sanctuary because I had to, you know, go clean myself up a little bit. Uh, God moves a lot in my heart that way. But I I just want to pause for a minute before I go into the teaching today. Because I'm so convinced, and this isn't in my notes, but I really feel God wants me to address this. I really feel that God brings the family together. And I, I look at Riverbend as a family. You are a family. I care about all of you so much. And I know that you care about us and you love on us. But when a, someone's hurting, you can feel that. And there's, there's hurt in here today. And I just wanted to let you know that I recognize it. I believe God's going to do something with it. I believe God's going to touch you right where you are today. But I didn't want to push past this moment because I felt it during worship. And I even still feel it now. So I want you to know that in this house, in this body, we rejoice when people rejoice, when people get new jobs, when people get married, when they have children, when there's successes. I love all that stuff. But as a team, we also feel you when you are hurting, when you feel alone, when you feel oppressed, when, when things are going on in your life. So is it all right if I pause with you for a second and just recognize that I feel you in this place today? And I want to lift you up specifically just in a little, little small prayer that I recognize you. But even more than that, Jesus recognizes you. Mm -hmm. That blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. So whatever you're mourning about today, whether it's the shootings, whether if that really touched home to you, whether it was Pastor Clarence, because we're still on the heels of that. I know many are going there next Saturday. I've had a couple of people step away from serve day to go be with the people in that room. Maybe something else is going on in your heart. I wanted to recognize that this morning and just speak a blessing over you before we continue. So would you pray with me? Father, I thank you for this house. I thank you for your people. I thank you for your children. I know that each and every one of them in this room deeply are connected to you. So I pray right now, God, that you would touch those in this room that are mourning. You would touch them where they're at. Lord, that you would minister to them right now. Lord, we're so grateful that your promises are true. And just like you sat with your disciples many years ago, sharing these truths about the kingdom, truths that turned the world upside down, they didn't make sense, they were the opposite of what everyone pursued. But you sat with your friends and you said, blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. I thank you for those in this room that have that tender heart, that had that tender spirit, that allow you to Cause them to mourn for things. And I pray that you bless them. Those that are being called into intercessor right now, I I speak a blessing over there. Lord, many times those that mourn are intercessors because they have that empathy and that heart for people. I pray, Lord, that you draw out of them that intercessory spirit. Lord, those that are being confused by what they're mourning because they're blaming it on themselves. They're looking at their life and saying that I did this or I didn't do that. And that's why I feel this way. I arrest that lie right now in the name of Jesus. And I speak comfort over you. I speak deep comfort into your soul. Unshakable and comfort. Lord, we bless you today. We thank you for today. We thank you that you are new every morning. We rest on that today. In Jesus' name. So we're right in the middle of... The Beatitude series, number four. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they'll be filled. And I I search the internet a lot, not necessarily to learn anything, because I waste a lot of time. I'll confess that in front of you. Sometimes I do it to learn stuff. It's a great avenue and a great place to learn uh, what people are thinking, because for for many bloggers out there and people that have websites, they Do all the work for us. They condense all these thoughts down into one. It's so cool, isn't it? So I searched out what people are hungry for, what people are hungry for in the world, and and I came down up with these these seven areas, these seven areas that people are really hungering for in the world. We have material things and self-confidence things and adventure, spiritual, emotional, career-related, lifestyle, and health things. These are things that people spend their life digging into, trying to find solutions for, trying to walk out, trying to find uh, the answer for. And I want to read a couple of them a little bit specifically. i got to keep it rated PG. There was a couple in there that I wouldn't share with you this morning. But material things, money, big house, nice car, fashionable clothes, travel, seeing the world, and an attractive spouse. (laughs) Self-confidence things, to look like I've always wanted to, to learn to dance without looking stupid, I'm pursuing that as well. (laughs) To be attractive as you age. To be the life of the party even just once. To know what you want and to have the confidence to go after it. Adventurous things. Visit every continent. Speak a foreign language fluently. Go scuba diving, cliff diving, or skydiving. Live in a beautiful, serene home. Volunteer in a disaster zone. Spend New Year's Eve in New York City. I've done it. It's not that fun. (laughs) You can cross that one off your lists. (laughs) Spiritual, emotional things. Have at least one true best friend. Feel relief from social judgment. Reconcile with an enemy. Be remembered in a positive way after I die. Know that you made a difference to someone else's life. Feel important to others. Know yourself and feel centered. Live each day without regret career-related things, reach a level of success that makes me untouchable, create a positive work-life balance. It's impossible, just so you know. (laughs) Feel as capable as others think that you are. Be recognized as talented, even brilliant. Pursue your calling while supporting your family financially. Publish a book, write a screenplay, have enough money to care for aging parents. Two left, okay? I think this is just important for foundation, so bear with me. Lifestyle things. People that are craving this in their world. Start each morning with a leisurely cup of coffee instead of rushed chugging one. Travel the country in an RV. All right, no one's into that one. I didn't see any (laughs) smiles. Not be afraid of intimacy. Have many children and grandchildren. Stay married to the same person. Find meaningful work. Find the best piece of pie ever. Man, that's a good one. That's a good lifestyle goal, isn't it? I would like to go on that quest. Give your dog a really happy life. And health things. Grow old without losing your mind or control of your body. It's a great goal. Have plenty of energy to enjoy each day. Age gracefully without wrinkles, without going bald. Find a way to enjoy exercise. (laughs) As I explore these seven things, and it's amazing, you you could look for days on what people are searching for, what people are hungry for, what people feel that will give them meaning in life. And there's nothing wrong with pursuing ambition. There's nothing wrong with getting in shape. There's nothing wrong with finding a spouse that's attractive to you that you're going to be with for the rest of your life. There's nothing wrong with pursuing a career, building a business. There's nothing wrong with being a success. There's nothing wrong with being wealthy. There's nothing wrong with those things. The Bible doesn't teach us that you have to live as a monk on a hill to be satisfied with life. Recently, I started watching Kung Fu, the TV show back from 1973, and I don't know if if anyone's my age that enjoyed that show. I watch it now and say, what did I possibly see in that show? (laughs) When I was younger, but now I'm stuck, right? I'm in season two, and I only got one more season to go, so I got to stay with it. (laughs) Yes, grasshopper. People wander and search. People are hungry. People are starving around you. People are going through desert seasons of their life. People are going through the life where they're so hungry they can't find anything that satisfies. You know, when Jesus brought this teaching to his disciples, they understood real hunger. They understood real thirst. For us being hungry might be having to wait 30 more minutes for the rolls to brown in the oven. When your lunch is at 12 and you got to wait till 12:15. It might be because we have to swing through McDonald's to get fries and a coke because we're a little bit hungry before dinner. Real hunger. Real hunger. Real thirst. I feel like I've been hungry in my life and I feel like I've been thirsty in my life, but I haven't gone days because I couldn't eat or couldn't drink. Because of a spiritual discipline called fasting, I find myself there, but that's by choice. It's because I want God to stir my heart and my life. But there's nothing in my life that I can't just go down to the 7-Eleven and convenience store and find pretty much anything that I want. So for us, trying to understand people that are hungry, once again, remember, these are intimate friends with Jesus sitting on the hillside with Him. And he's sharing with them that blessed are they that hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. The point I'm trying to make to you today is something happens when you begin to hunger for these things. Something happens when you begin to become starving for these things. When your life switched to starving for success and starving for recognition and starving for what someone else has, it's amazing what happens to human beings They begin to take the things that maybe God put in their heart to do that were good and they starve for the things that other people have and change the way that they are to acquire those things. The Bible teaches that, that they're the lust of flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. If you've been in the church for any amount of time or even a Bible student, someone that reads the Bible, these are very common things that we're taught all through the scriptures. It's the three temptations of Jesus when he first was called into his ministry. It's the three ways that the devil tries to deceive us even today. The enemy is not an idiot. He knows the areas that we can fall, and these three particular areas are easiest for, to fall. Why? Because they relate so much to the things that we desire and are passionate about in our life. And they would seem at the beginning to be okay. They would seem at the beginning to be pursuits that are all right. But then they begin to move in our heart. So the lust of the flesh is really those animal appetites, those cravings and those passions that are beyond just good pursuits. They take hold of you. They take control of you. The lust of the eyes are that selfishness and that self-interest that begins to cause you to lust and to envy. You know, envy, I always say, is the little cousin for murder. Not necessarily physical murder, but you can murder people by envying them so much. And pride of life really is self-promotion and self-exaltation. In this world that we live in, uh, it's all about self-promotion. It is. Uh, I've studied marketing management for quite a while, and I understand that promotion is really big. But when you... Our friend of Jesus, I want you to once again go back to that hillside with him. Why was he talking about, blessed are they that hunger and thirst for righteousness? Why are we called by Jesus to hunger and thirst after righteousness? Why are we called by our friend who sat with us on the hill to pursue righteousness above all else? Not fame, not fortune, not any of those things. The scripture really helped me to pull it all into perspective. First John two fifteen through seventeen in the message. Don't love the world's ways. Don't love the world's goods. Love of the world squeezes out love for the Father. Practically everything that goes on in the world, wanting your own way, wanting everything for yourself, wanting to appear important, has nothing to do with the Father. It just isolates you from Him. The world and all its wanting, wanting, wanting is on the way out. But whoever does what God wants is set for eternity. Hangry. I don't know if you've ever been hangry. I don't know if you've ever even heard the word hangry. Maybe some of you haven't, so let me just give you a little pop culture reference to what hangry is. It's when you're so hungry that you're angry about it. It's an adjective. You can use it as an adjective in your life. It's the state of anger caused by lack of food, hunger causing negative change in an emotional state. I have some friends that are pretty strong pretty big guys but I'm amazed when they get hungry what happens to them I don't even know if it's hangry it's more like they regress back to being a little kid some suck their thumbs and some behave really strange some eat their children's food and children's snacks I watch different people behave different ways because of being hangry I know when I get hangry I'm not good to be around When my blood sugar drops, my mind gets all cloudy and I don't know what's going on, but I get hangry. And so I found a solution for my hangriness, and I wanted to uh, share it with you just as a practical tip. I have a hangry kit. (laughs) And this hangry kit is one of my best friends. So inside this hangry kit are all my favorite snacks. You know, they're kind of packed in here. Is there anyone that's a little bit hangry right now? All right, maybe second service. <laughs> My point that I want to make to you today is that being hangry is real. And being hangry even as Christians is real in the spirit. And although that I'm, I'm making light of the idea of us physically being hangry and angry, this really applies to some behavior that I watch in, in the Christian world and the Christian life. Isaiah 55, five two says it this way, and I love this scripture. Why spend money... On what is not bread, and your labor on what does not satisfy. Listen, listen to me, and eat what is good, and your soul will delight in the richest fare. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Now we look at the word righteous, and we look at the definition to be right, to morally right, to be justifiable, to be virtuous, of so cinnamons. Synonyms are good, virtuous, upright, outstanding, decent, worthy, ethical, principled, moral, high minded. You can look up the word righteousness in a Bible dictionary and there's pages of it. It's used hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times all through Scripture about God's righteousness, who God is. It's only used one other time besides the book of Matthew in the New Testament, but it's used seven times in the book of Matthew. In fact, it's used five times in the Sermon on the Mount. So I want to help us understand what Jesus was getting at. Sometimes the best way to do that in Scripture is to look at how this word is used throughout the teaching of what is being taught. So when we look at, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they'll be filled, I really believe Jesus gives us the answer of what he was referring to as the righteousness that we should hunger and thirst for. You guys want to check that out with me? All right. We look at happy are... In Matthew 3, 3 through 10, this is the series that we're on. These are the eight Beatitudes that we're working on. So the first one is poor in spirit, those who mourn, the meek, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, the merciful, the pure in heart, the peacemakers, and those who are persecuted for righteousness. If you look at how this breakdowns, with the, and Pastor Bobby in the first week, if you, if you missed that one, it's available on our media page. But he breaks down how he really looks at Beatitudes as a ladder of, for stepping up into the, the Christian life. You can't go to rung seven, he said, if you don't go through rung one, two, and three. You can't go to rung five unless you live one, two, and three, and four. So I want to break down just a little bit about how uh, these, these parable or these uh, beatitudes are broken up just in case you haven't seen it. Obviously, we're in number four. There's two sets of four. So the poor in spirit, those who mourn, and the meek, we already covered today. We're looking at those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. If you look at four and eight, it's kind of like a beatitude sandwich, uh, since I was talking about hangriness, so I'll refer to some food things here to see if I can keep you with me. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness is number four, and those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. If you just walk down this with me and you look at the poor in spirit, those who mourn, and the meek, it's an emptying. So the poor in spirit is someone that realizes that they're not self-contained, As Bobby really broke down in week one, you realize you're destitute. You realize that you're absolutely morally and spiritually bankrupt. You're poor in spirit. Those who mourn are, once again, it's an emptying. You're mourning for the things that cause sadness in your life, whether it's someone that you've lost or your own depravity. Mourning over your sinfulness. Mourning over your inability to be holy. Mourning over the lack of righteousness or right standing with God in the world, there's a mourning that's happening with you. It's an emptying. And the meek, not the weak, but the gentleness that comes out of you is once again another emptying. It's like someone that knows that they're meek, someone that knows that only God can find the solution. When someone comes to insult them, someone comes to give them harm, they don't try to defend their righteousness. They don't try to defend or make a stand against it, they surrender to who God is. So if we look at the poor in spirit, those who mourn, and the meek, there's an emptying. And then through that emptying causes the hunger that we're talking about today. There's an emptiness and a lack of righteousness. There's an emptiness, but a longing for righteousness. And as we walk out the next four, which are going to be great, I hope you don't miss any of them, we start talking about the merciful. There's a change that happens after this hunger begins in your life. There's a mercy that rises. There's a pure in heart that comes up out of you. There's a peacemaker. And because of those things that operate in your life, that mercy that you have, that deep mercy, the pure that you have in your heart, the purity that begins to percolate out of your heart, and the fact that you become a peacemaker, there's an action that happens. The first three are attitude, The second, I'm sorry, the first four are about attitude. The second four are all about the actions that come out of you. So if we look at those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, it would be easier for us to look at that and say there's a lacking of righteousness in that area. Wouldn't you agree? Those who are persecuted for righteousness leads me to believe that they're full of righteousness and they're being persecuted for it. So if we just walk down the Beatitudes to the reasonable conclusion... To be righteous is to be full of mercy, to be pure in heart, and to be a peacemaker. There's five other examples. I don't have time this morning to go through them, but I'd encourage you to read and study all the way through the Sermon on the Mount what righteousness is. And I think you'll come to the same conclusion that I have, that to be righteous in the eyes of Jesus. Yes, it's all about right standing with God, but remember this was Jesus sitting on the hillside with his friends. He considered them in right standing with him. They recognized or would soon recognize who he was. He shared with us in this very brief way that the merciful, the pure in heart, and the peacemaker will be persecuted for that someday because it will be viewed as righteous. I like these three examples. Three examples that I labeled righteous appetites. These three men of God, and there's many that I could have chosen, These three men of God are great examples throughout Scripture of people that were hungry and thirsty for righteousness. Now look at Moses. (laughs) Moses who saw God in a burning bush. Moses who saw the miracles of God and the plagues of God and how God used a Pharaoh to bring the deliverance of the people and slowly caused that man to finally let go. I watched through scripture reading about Moses as he saw the Shekinah glory in his life. And then he says something like, I beg you, show me your glory. I want to say, Moses, settle down, man. <laughs> you know, don't haven't you seen enough of God? Do you know anyone like that in your life? I've told a few people settle down for different reasons in my life. But I'm talking the real hungry, the real thirsty. They almost make you uncomfortable because they're so hungry and thirsty. They're floating around a little bit on the ground. You know, we look at those kind of people today and we're like, "Ah, I don't want anything to do with them. But back in the day, Moses, that's who he was. He was so full of God's glory that he had to cover his face because people couldn't handle the glory. I'm moved by that kind of hunger. I don't have that kind of hunger. I desire that kind of hunger. The second one I want to point out to you, one of my favorite characters, David. A man after God's own heart knew God since he was a small boy. Watched God use him to defeat Goliath in a way that the greatest men among him could not do. Continued to watch God do things. He wrote Psalm 23, such an intimate expression of how God would move. And yet he says something like this, I thirst for God, the living God. When can I go and stand before him? When can I be with him? There's, there's some days that I have a hard time even praying. There's a, some days I have a hard time reading my word, reading the Bible, just being transparent with you. I'm not like David, but man, I want to know what that feels like to have my appetite so hungry for God that even though he's filled me and shown me and used me to do so many things, I would still say, man, when can I be with you? And the last example of righteous appetite I want to share with you is Paul. Paul had three visions of Jesus. The Damascus Road, all through Corinthians. He had intimate visions of Jesus. He went blind because of his, his inability to see Jesus. And then when he saw him, he became a completely different man. He went from persecuting Jews and Christians to becoming the man that wrote most of the Bible that we study today. Saw so many churches being planted. Saw the miraculous, worshipped, and saw miracle after miracle. And still he says, oh, that I might know him. Don't you think Paul should relax a little bit? I mean, he's had more success than many that I know ever will. But he still had the appetite to say that I might know him. Here's the one I want to share with you today. As many of us read that scripture and say, blessed are those that hunger and thirst after righteousness. And they discount themselves. In fact, that's a scripture that if you've been in the church for any amount of time, you've probably read a million times. But this is what the scripture is saying. It's not blessed is it he that hungers and thirsts for righteousness, they'll maybe have a good time. Or maybe blessed is he that has righteousness will be fulfilled. We really need to look at the scripture because it's based on your hunger and your thirst. Hunger and thirsting is something that doesn't stop because of one time. And this scripture could actually literally be translating, blessed are they that hunger and thirst after all righteousness. It's not a little piece of righteousness, it's all righteousness. Says so we look at those that have such an amazing appetite for God, we say, wow, that's really great for them. But it's not me, though. But as a friend of Jesus, imagining with me today sitting on that hillside <clears throat> with your friend intimately sharing with you, he's letting you know that you're going to be blessed when you hunger and thirst after righteousness, when you hunger and thirst for that mercy, when you hunger and thirst for that purity, when you hunger and thirst, to be a person of peace. I have an anger issue. It's not violent anger. I don't, I don't get upset. It's not a physical anger issue, so let me clarify that. But in the sake of being transparent in front of all of you, it's something I have to put down every day. I get angry with myself a lot. I get angry for wasting time, for wasting decades before I met Jesus, all kinds of stuff the devil uses. And Once again, I'm just being transparent, so maybe you can walk with me here. It's something I have to put down. I'm not 100% righteous. In fact, I don't know anyone that is. I know that maybe some are a little bit more holy than I am. They have things a little bit more together than I do. But this is the beatitude that I need you to walk away with today before you go on to the next four. It's not an acquiring of righteousness. It's a hunger for it. It's a thirst for it. It's such a move in your heart And your life that you have to pursue it. That regardless of what is going right in your life and the promises that God has given you, it's all right to want more. It's all right to want more mercy operating in your life. It's all right to have more purity coming out of you. Not the opposite way. Pastor Bobby shared this, I think, the second in the series. It's not to be just bad enough to be cool. You know, there's a purity about us that should cause people to get upset and persecute us. I don't know anyone that moves in that much purity where the world strikes out and lashes against them because they're so pure. And not self-righteous, not pointing fingers and judging, but I mean just who you are. There's so much mercy operating in your life. There's so much purity in your motivation. And you long and strive to be a peacemaker so much so That the world persecutes you. J.N. Darby, uh, a great man that worked with the Brethren Movement, said this To be hungry is not enough. I must really be starving to know what is in God's heart for me. When the prodigal son was hungry, he went to feed on the husks. But when he was starving, he went to his father. Here's some quick diet tips for a righteous appetite, and I'll be really quick with this. I know I lost a lot of you at diet, and I appreciate that. <laughs> the first tip that I want to give you is stop filling up on junk food. Mm-hmm. I know that's hard to hear. Uh, I love the new app uh, iPhone tracker that I have on my phone that was just released about eight months ago that shows me where I spend my time. It helps me out a lot. I can't define what junk food is in your spirit. Only you can do that. I'm not going to sit up here and give you a list of the things that you should give up. But I'll tell you this. If you really want to know, listen to this challenge today. Try fasting it. Take that thing that you might think is a junk food in your life, in your spirit, and fast this week. Don't go on Facebook for a day and see what happens. See if you start getting a little twitch. (laughs) Stop watching Netflix. I'll stop watching Kung Fu this week if you stop watching Netflix. (laughs) I'll make that deal with you. Pick that thing that might be junk food in your life and just go without a day and see what happens. My point is this. If you keep eating junk food, that's what you're going to crave. You're going to crave junk food. I know there might be some junk food junkies in here. I don't point fingers. I I had to give up junk food years ago because it's all I craved. I got a sweet tooth, and I have to put it down, or I'll just eat sweets. Like I'll eat boxes of cookies. I'm serious. I got to set that kind of stuff down. The same in our spirit life. The second tip I want to give you is practice His presence. This is simple stuff: Bible, prayer, worship. And some of you inside are cringing. You're like, "Oh, I got to read the Bible, man. Oh, I you mean, know, I need to pray." Practice his presence. If you can't read, you don't want to read, reading irritates you, listen to it. I listen to the Bible all the time. It's doing a little bit of good. It'll do a little bit of good to you too. Practice his presence. I need his presence. All that's going on, all the things that I have to deal with personally, all the things that people come to me for. You think people come to me to tell them about kung fu? You you think people come to me and ask me about the latest TV show? That's not what people come to me for. How am I going to be that mercy? How am I going to be that purity and that person that is a peacemaker if I don't practice his presence? And the last diet tip I want to give you is connect with people of faith. Connect with the people of faith around you. I know there's all kinds of people you can connect with. Some people are amazing. I have some friends that really don't believe in Jesus that are amazing to be around. But if I just am around them all the time, I'll start being like them in areas that I don't want to be like them. Connect with people. Small groups. One-on-ones. Give someone a call that you admire in the Spirit and say, hey, will you pray with me? Will you walk with me? Quick diet tips. Stop filling up on junk food. Practice His presence and connect with people of faith. The promise that's attached to this beatitude is they'll be filled. They'll be Fulfilled. These are my, one of my two favorite scriptures that Jesus shares with us, I'm just going to read them with you real quick before I close. John 4.15 says this, whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So many people are thirsty. So many people are longing to be filled with something that will remain, and they don't know how to get there, and they're going to come to you for it. Have you drunken from the water that Jesus offers so you can give it to them. So you can be who Jesus needs you to be in their life. Then Jesus declared, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. John 6, 3, 5. Would you stand with me for a minute? Ari's going to come just shortly in pronounce a blessing over you, but I just want to speak this one last thing over your life. And I I need you to hear this. I'm kind of an intense guy if you don't know me. I don't don't like to play around. And I'm I'm just saying this from my heart to you. I long to be with a people that hunger and thirst after God's righteousness because I want them to be filled, but I want to make a difference in this world. I don't want to just be a church and to be part of a church that doesn't make the difference that God has called us to make. And we won't be that church until we learn what it's really like to hunger and thirst after the righteousness of God. So I'm going to pray, and then Ari's going to come and just release you. But if you're here today, and there's a hunger missing in your life, there's just not a thirstiness about you. The best way that I could explain that to you, and I talked to a couple doctors about this. I'm not a medical doctor or a medical student. But if you've lost your appetite, it's a pretty good indication that there's some type of sickness going on in you. And I don't want you to be sick. I want you to be well. I want you to be so hungry and thirsty for God that you're so well, that you're fulfilled, and you can fulfill the others around you. So Father, I speak life over this church. I speak life over everyone that's heard my voice today. And I pray that you would stir up in them Hunger and a thirst for your righteousness. God, as they've emptied themselves for being poor in spirit and mourning and God just being meek that you would meet them right now and give them a hunger that only you can give. I pray that you would stir this church up today to know you more, to be blessed by you more. And to be fulfilled by you in a way that the world cannot offer. God, thank you for today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit. We bless you in Jesus' name.
1: I just want to declare a, a blessing over you. May the Lord just bless and keep you. May you know that his hand is on you that he has called you to be salt and he has called you to be light. May our hunger and thirst increase and may he fill it to overflow so that whatever dry area that we are sent to may flourish. May we walk out of these doors knowing that he's with us but have an increased desire To represent and represent him in our homes and in our areas of influence. Know that you are blessed. You are gifted. You are anointed. You are called and you are sent. Be blessed. Amen.